Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Falsha and welcome to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to teach you about the real Ireland. My name is Stuart McNamara, and I'm here with my co-host, who's the scariest man in Ireland, Goulbert Cross. Goulbert, I love it. Hi guys, uh, Rob here. How's it going today, Rob? Not too bad, Stu. We're recording remotely again. Um, we, we did, I think there was a few slight issues last week with maybe my audio to some people. Um, hopefully this week it should be fine. We, 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 we were, there was some tinkering with the settings and it should be perfect, I hope. Yeah, we're both in Ireland with uh, not the best internet connections in the world, uh, so <laughs> we're doing our best. Yeah, no, it, it's it's like grand in part. Like we have a, a lovely new setup when we do record this in person, and it's got like two proper mic stands and two nice mics and a, a lovely mixer. And that happened the week we locked down again, and you're not allowed to have any household visitors. So expect us to be back in person again in about five weeks. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. Anyway, <laughs> so this week. Uh, I decided we'd do something that I've been kind of saying on the podcast for quite some time, and that is a bit of the Irish language, because every week I introduce uh, us to the show by saying Falcha, which is the Irish for welcome, but uh, I never actually said that at any point, and so people might have been confused for the past 17 or so podcasts, not knowing what I, I thought, was talking about. I thought we were just sponsored by Falcha Ireland, you know, the, the tourist board. If we were sponsored, Rob, we'd have way better equipment and faster internet, so uh, unfortunately not. Hey, not with that attitude, Stu. You know, we're, open to, we're, open, we're open to sponsorship, particularly from breweries, because, you know, that's, that's real Ireland right there. I mean, the real goal of the podcast is to do them all drunk, which uh, hopefully we'll do one at some point. <laughs> how, how, how about this, right? This is our sponsorship deal. You can either give us a crock of gold or a crock of shite. I'll take my chances. Um, you do whatever you want, Rob. I'm going to stick to uh, money or whiskey. Okay, but we, we we will accept payment in gold. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I'm not going to check what it is on the stock market at the moment, Stu, but I'm, I'm going to take a chance. You do that. Anyway, <laughs> as I said, Falche, the thing that I say at the start of every episode, is the Irish word for welcome. Irish is uh, uh, health as well. Yeah. Well, and, that's uh, the... it's, it's like, it's kind of the like, good health. You, you, you might, you know. Sorry, yeah, that's, that's the... Sorry, that's Slauncha. I was thinking, damn it. I, my, Jesus, my Irish isn't crazy. That's quite it, Rob. I was hoping you'd be better at this than I am, but okay. That's kind of the, I, I, the trick with Irish is that there are multiple phrases that mean ba- practically the same thing, but are spe- are different. Yeah, I, I think like it's, we, we said this before, like, so for, the most important thing is we, we refer to the Irish language in English as just, we would just say Irish normally. The correct name for it is uh, Gaeilge, which is the name in Irish or Asgaeilge in Irish is what it is in the language. We never call it Gaelic. Gaelic. As I said, there are a lot of Irish words that mean the same thing. Uh, do you have any other words that would be welcome or hello? 
Well, we this is kind of the interesting thing about Irish. We don't actually have words for a couple of things. Like we don't have like one word for hello or goodbye or or yes or no. Um, we can use words in their place, but we don't. I mean, like this is as false yet. Like that's what we'd say for for welcome, but. Uh, there's other kind of greetings uh, and things you do, like, you know, Bahagasláinte, uh, which means, like, you know, good health to you is kind of another greeting. Or you meet someone, you, you would say, you know, Diagwith, and their response would be Diasmorgwith, which is yeah, I love our, that one. greeting. And Irish, like, Diagwith yeah. just means God be with you, and Diasmorgwith is God and Mary be with you. So it's how you, how you greet someone in Irish, generally. Or yeah, but, if you're in uh, Donegal. But Rob, the great thing about Diagwith is that it's basically a challenge where if there's more than two people, doesn't it have to keep going? I don't recall. I it's it's. I think it I, I do be. remember that, isn't it? Like, so I would say Diagwit. You say Dias Muragwit. Then, the, like someone else, if there's a third person, might say Dias Muragwit. Joseph Agwit, and it's it just kind of it Joseph, keeps yeah. it just keeps going on where you're supposed to add another person after. It's it, it's something that like, I thought my father would would have said that in English quite quite a lot and it, it um kind of jesus mary and joseph be with you kind of a thing if it was greeting a group of people but uh yeah so like we use that and the same with like we don't really have a yes or a no we use like ta and neil as yes and no but they or don't sha. really mean that or sha well sha is actually an abbreviation of at you say meaning it is and ta in context is like it's the present tense for um, yeah, so so Shah is basically am, cheese, which we use a lot anyway. It is, yeah. It's a, it, it's not it's something like proper as well. We might be radically correct and all that, but if you meet like Irish speakers in the in the Gwale talks an Irish speaking area, which we have discussed before in this podcast, often they'll use a bit of English. Like no one is going to give out to you for speaking English in an Irish speaking area. I mean, if you're making an effort to speak in Irish, that's grand. I mean, it, it's it's really appreciated, but don't feel embarrassed about um, yeah not not the, not being not being able to speak it. It's completely fine. I mean, Everyone's the trouble. With that is the trouble with that is that the Irish language, while it's simple in a way, the the way things are pronounced is quite difficult for people who haven't been trained or taught in it. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting kind of thing. Like I, I think the main example you, you see is um, we said as well, our prime minister is in, even in English is, is the title given them is that Taoiseach, which means like chieftain or leader in Irish. But it, it's it is the is the version used in both the English and Irish language. We it, it's not correct to refer to him as prime minister. Um, and it's when you see particularly at the English channel, some of the American channels just try to say Taoiseach because it it, it can be quite because I'll say the Irish uh, PM or like uh, Prime Minister Leo Varadkar. It's like oh, the Taoiseach, but it, it it is a bit of a tricky word to pronounce. All right. I would say yeah, like, you, like I think of like a cup of tea and then shock like oh I just got shocked by that tea shock is close enough yeah but you get things like uh, a lot of names especially in Irish that uh, are just pronounced odd when you see them spelt out well I think the, we might have reason, discussed names at one point did we we did a little bit yeah but I, I think just to kind of go back over it so firstly Irish is a, a very a, a very old language as well and I suppose it, it hasn't actually changed in a kind of grammatical or spoken way in a certain sense for a very very long time like when we were in in school like we did um like some poems and stuff like from like middle irish or this would have been quite a quite a while back and it's the spelling is a bit different I'll, i'll talk about the spelling reform and things like that in a moment but if you once did you actually read it out it was like oh yeah well, i can understand that it, it, it actually hasn't changed the sounds and kind of meanings of the words haven't changed as much sometimes new words come in there but we can still understand go, going back a couple of hundreds of years and stuff like that you can kind of contrast that with like reading shakespeare which is even then is 
can be a little bit difficult. But if you would compare that to being able to understand Middle English, you, you wouldn't be able to at all because there was such a great vowel shift. The, the language kind of in, in one sense hasn't changed a lot um, over, over the years too. It's, it's still, the older texts are still understandable. The, the main kind of issue about it is actually spelling. So I, I was, we'll talk a little bit about how the Irish language has progressed today. Uh, we said before in the, the show about the, the Gwail talks, the Irish speaking areas in this country. Now, there's three main ones. There's the uh, one down in Kerry. Um, you've got Connemara up around Galloway, and then you've got uh, Donegal. Now, there are other areas as well. There's uh, like on the ring down in Cork, and there's a small area in Waterford. There's also a, and effectively the three main Gwailtucks have their, their own dialects of Irish. So you've guys got Munster Irish, um, Connemara Irish, and uh, Donegal Irish which would have different accents and different words and things like that. Um, Munster Irish is what we learned in school and the standard dialect, which is kind of like the, the one that kind of government went with when they were teaching people Irish in, in schools once we became an independent country is mostly kind of based on Munster Irish is kind of the, the kind of default one. Yeah, isn't are, it that weird thing? Yes, yeah, that weird thing where even though we're such a small place, there is such a, a massive change just going down the road and... Uh, you don't really get a taste of it until you do the the junior set leaving search the the recorded sections and then you yeah, hear things have... like like isn't it um you know we'd say Connacetatu how are you but yeah. then I can't remember King, where it, it's a uh, King Queen I will to in Connemara and then Gadivertashiv I think in Donegal yeah so it just it changes completely and even like the, like hearing that the accent the way they speak it just makes it almost impossible. Like there's, isn't there like, whatever it is, there's three or four sections and each one has a different uh, way of speaking Irish. And there's just one section that's a complete write-off because no one can understand what they're saying. When when we di- when you study Irish in school over here, like you, you have to do it for 14 years. You do it the whole way through primary school, uh, like elementary school and like kindergarten, I guess. And then you go on to your secondary school, which would be like junior high, high school, whatever, like before you go to college. And you're, you're learning it the entire way through unless you get an exemption, which are quite difficult to get. It's even if you're like from another country, if you like learn it from a certain point, you have to do it. So you you, you do like you say the tape exams or like it's recorded and you listen to like uh, people talking about like, oh, my name is Johnny and I live here and this is about my parents. It's the same way like we did it. Like I know you did Italian, Stu, and I did German. We did kind of the same thing with that uh, when you're learning the language to hear people speak it. The difference is in Irish, they do it in the three dialects. So you'd always have uh, three sections in an examination like that. Um, the first one, like, it's going to be like Munster, Irish, Connemara and Donegal. And it was the Donegal one in particular is quite difficult because it's the most different, I think, dialect of Irish that still exists. And combine that with a Donegal accent, which is like, hey, neighbor and Kay, it, it, you know, kind of, that wasn't a good Donegal accent, but it's like, oh, good ever thought you on. It's like, it is quite difficult with the accent plus the the quite quite a different level of grammar and everything else so yeah like the way they use it is just completely different one thing i I did want to jump back to uh you mentioned earlier that irish hasn't changed that much in quite a long time and i suppose you could really say that that's down to it being made illegal in ireland for such a long time yeah it was really discouraged initially and then (laughs) banned by the english and later british um when they kind of yeah so just like this country it didn't have a chance to evolve the way other languages did because it was like it was taught in, in like secret back rooms and out in the fucking forests and stuff. And it was just like, this is how it, how you speak it. This is how you write it. This is it. Just exactly the same. So there was no natural evolution that ha- happens with other languages like Shakespearean English. 
Exactly. And it, 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 it's a fair point that it was illegal to speak it. It was illegal to have your name in the Irish form. I mean, there's been, there were plenty of cases, even in, when we were fighting for our independence, like we're talking about the early 1900s, not too long before that did happen. Um, people, you, you couldn't have your name in Irish outside some shops and, and, and things like that. There's um, Don Novuakla, who ironically became our, our last governor general who was involved in the Republican movement. He, his name is like Donald Buckley in English, but he only used the Irish name. He got like fined and had his cart seized because he had like Donald Buckley written on it for like groceries and things like that. And, you know, it, it was just really tr- them trying to, to just have us speak English and not be Catholic and destroy our culture. And the, the, the kind of sad thing about it is it, it did have an impact in that, you know, we are doing this podcast in English, for example, we do speak English. Yeah, it is our first language. First language. It it is, but there's there there's been an a, a really important revival in speaking Irish. I think particularly with people our own ages. There, um, I I'd give a shout out to Una Min um Kavanagh on Twitter. She is a an Irish person. I think she's slightly older than us, maybe about thirty. But she does a lot of stuff Osgoelga in Irish. Um, including she went like an Irish rap the other day, and she does like a lot of things about that. And there, I, there's a growing amount of people. Like even I do. Uh, poetry and I, I met these plenty of people at poetry readings and there's a, a growing movement among people like uh, really kind of starting off in college right now to do more poetry in Irish and perform in that and it's 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 a wonderful thing to see that it's it is being spearheaded by the younger generation and I'm I'm working on it myself I think as you saw earlier I'm not a not a not a fluent speaker of Irish by any means but I am working on it to try and get to that because I think it's important to um yeah, you know, it's an important part of our, our culture and our heritage yeah. to to have a language like that because I think it's the last thing we have. Like we're not a crazy Catholic country anymore. We're not like rabid Republicans fighting the English most of the time. But it's like the last kind of thing that we have that makes us different. And I think it, it's important to keep it. Definitely. Uh, I think if if people are interested in in kind of hearing a bit of actual Irish spoken by people better than us. One of the the fondest kind of videos to watch, and I'm sure it's up on YouTube, is uh, "You Mean Is Anim Dumb." Yes, that's brilliant. So uh, <laughs> it's a, a video. I think it was like a, a school project or something, probably in college. I and, think it uh, was, yeah. And it's a, a, an Asian person uh, living in, He's I think, Chinese. Dublin. Yeah, and uh, he was it. He like hits his head, or something magical happens. I can't remember exactly. No, no, no. And it wasn't. It wasn't that at all. No, that you're thinking something else. It's uh, this. Is, oh this no, is, yeah, uh, there is another video that they used to show. No, he he just finds himself in a quail tuck. Is it? No, that you mean a Sanam dumb is that he, it's um a Chinese chap, and he, I think he's in Hong Kong. But they're not 100 percent sure, and he like he gets really interested in Irish, and he sees that it's the national language is Irish, so he goes and learns Irish. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, Dublin, now I'm remembering, yeah. And then he can't, and then he's trying to, and then no, and then he meets. I think it's Brendan. Yeah, Lisa, Frank actually. Kelly. No, it's Frank Kelly. It's Frank it? Kelly. Sorry, it's Frank Kelly. Yeah, and then like he's the only person that the great father Jack Irish, and then like he gets him a job in like Fudge Ireland or something like that, um, which is great. I, I I love that. It's a fantastic film. Um, but uh, there's a couple of films in Irish actually. There's Kings as well came out a couple of years back. I think it was nominated for an Oscar. It's got Brendan Gleeson in it, and I think a few other people. But it's about a bunch of Irish Americans that like emigrated to New York. I think in the 1960s and then coming back and stuff. And it's a lot. A lot of it is actually in Irish because they were from a Gaeltacht. Fantastic, fantastic film. Um, I'll shout out another film as well. I, I know I've mentioned this to Stu. I don't think he let me do this on the podcast, but it's called Eraville. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It's a short uh, film noir detective uh, thing set in a dystopian uh, Ireland in like the future, and it's it's entirely in Irish. And I 
love it. It's a fantastic little short film. It's only about 25 minutes long. It's Eraville, uh, all one word, and it's just fantastic. We'll, we'll put this in the show notes if that's possible, but uh, w- would recommend. But there's there's plenty of things out there about um, speaking Irish. We have a TG Cahar, a t- TV4 in this country, if you will, Telefish na Gaeltacha, which is uh, an Irish language uh, TV channel. I think we've talked about it a little bit before. Yeah, I mean, we have it's, that. It's, it's free to air. It's a, a very interesting one, having a reruns of SpongeBob in Irish and other kids' TV shows and... And then, the, and then the the westerns on a, a Friday night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there's it it's it, it's kind of an interesting show. Like they had they we do redub some cartoons. I used to watch the Power Rangers and that Oscarelga when I was younger as well because they they had the episodes of the Power, new Power Rangers before like the English oh, shows did. You mean the Mystic Knights of Tiernanog? We're doing that another day, Stu. I guarantee. <laughs> we'll have to watch um, all sixty odd episodes. But it, it's it's a wonderful little thing. They have like Rasnaroon as well, which is an Irish language kind of soap operas like our Emmerdale or, you know, EastEnders or I, I can't think of any American soap operas like, like Dynasty or Dallas, I guess, but in, in a rural village in Ireland. Uh, Stephen Fry was even in an episode. Like he, oh. he, he can actually speak Irish, um, which which is quite nice. There's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice little, nice little language, I think. And it, it's a nice part of our culture, but there's, there's a lot there. Um, yeah. Uh, I wish we could... I wish we could speak it better, but um, I'll I'll try and think of something. And I yeah, it's unfortunate. Say. We we can't finish up without talking about a couple of the most uh, known and famous phrases in Irish. Probably the, the... the truth. <laughs> well, I'm talking about more ones that. Uh, well, first off, one that uh, the wider world might know being Pogue Mahone. It's my ass. Yeah, which is uh, a common one you see on T-shirts and uh, sometimes tattoos for some reason, which is a bit weird. But look, whatever you're mm-hmm. into. Um, the one that every Irish person knows from the day that they first go to school uh, until the day they die is, of course, on will Ciaragum Dolgri and Leheris. No, she the holiday of the Oh, well, well <laughs> we weren't well, all Mr. so polite. Well, Steve, we should, we we should explain we first before we continue this. So that means, can I go to the bathroom? And then Rob added, please, teacher. Yeah, because we were told that if you don't say it fully, you're not going to the bathroom and you're going to wee yourself. And then one class, yeah. had, and the, the class actually did that. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a thing in primary school where you always had to ask in Irish. It was the only thing that was ever drilled into our heads uh, that will never leave us. It's the, it's, it's the strongest like, bit of Irish that's in there. If you ask any Irish person to speak Irish to you, like nine times out of ten, that is the first thing they're going to say to you. There's even like an ad about that. You know, the... Because like, we use sometimes we use Irish or like broken Irish like talk when we're abroad because we don't want people to think we're English or we just don't want people to understand what we're saying. If, if it's generally like if we're in like a slightly dicey or dodgy situation, it might be like, yeah, Stu, like Catahorla, you know, what else we know? Yeah. You know, what's going on here? Like, no, the ad I was going to mention though, I believe, is for uh, Carlsberg, not a sponsor, but uh, they had one of the best ads which lampooned and brought attention to the Irish language in that I think it was an Irish lad in a bar. And uh, there's loads of people around. They're all like interested in him because he's from Ireland, and uh, they're all asking him to speak some Irish. So I believe the phrase that he says is "Cunis Boher Colleen Banya," which uh, I would like to translate. Uh, Cunis is quiet, Boher is road, Colleen is girl, and Banya is milk. Yeah. So basically, he's just uh, throwing out a couple of very basic phrases that he probably remembers from his time in school that mean nothing. But obviously, everyone's like buying him drinks, and, and they love it because he's just said something in Irish so it's a it's quite a funny ad in that for us because a lot of us have very little idea of Irish but we can all identify those four tiny words 
Yeah, it, 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 it's just kind of, it's just enough that you'd understand, any Irish person would understand it in a very limited Irish, but uh, it, it's quite good. And there's, like, I mean, like I kind of said, if you're greeting somebody, say, Dia Gwith, the reply is Dia Smara Gwith. If you're just saying someone, if you say, we don't have really a word for goodbye, the common one is like Slán or Slán of Valley. Yeah. Slán of Valley literally means uh, have a safe journey home, safe home, literally in Slán is just kind of shortened version of that, but it's, you can use that. Um he does it like slancha, which is kind of means good health. If you're like toasting with a Guinness, there's there's a couple of um different different versions. Like you know, slancha would be like our our cheers or you know, bottoms up campai um prost in Germany, yeah. that kind of thing. And uh, one that slipped my mind there, I was trying to remember it, is a uh, Cade Miele Falcha, which is a hundred thousand welcomes, because I know yeah. Ireland is often. Uh, called the, the land of a hundred thousand welcomes it, it's a it's a very common thing to say like you'd see it on like a load of things when you're like landing at an airport i'm pretty sure the first thing you see in shannon airport is like you know kid me at a false yeah or whatever it is but I, I suppose that's kind of it i mean um if i could think of something longer to say in irish i would but i'm, I'm really struggling here because I, I don't speak it on anywhere near a daily basis um yeah i mean look like we we might uh do a bit of a longer episode on Irish once we uh, have some time to to research and refresh our memories on we the, do, the language we, we of do, our forefathers. We do have like no people that do speak quite good Irish. Like we we know like a couple of people for who would speak Irish as their first language or went to like Irish speaking schools. So we could sure, like I'd, I'd love to like try and do an episode in talking about that a bit more. Maybe like do an Irish language film and we like try to review parts of it in Irish and then translate it. But maybe that yeah, too much. Might, might be a bit of a mess, but we could always give it a go. So uh, I think we'll leave that for there and jump into the meat and potatoes Ach, of today's uh, episode. Ach, uh, quid, quid a yo and scan on. Only lane scan on. I know you said film there, Rob, but we're not I doing did, a movie I, this week. <laughs> you do remember you didn't watch a movie this week, right? I don't watch movies a lot of the weeks, so I just kind of make it up as I go along and hope <laughs> I've noticed. So, uh, so <laughs> then so what happens to Rawhead Rex? Why don't you start, Stu? And I just thought, yeah, it was, a, <laughs> a, it was definitely a monster, wasn't it? And, and it was in Ireland, and then there was a priest there. He definitely had a head there, and uh, he was very Tyrannosaurus like, wasn't he? It's like, Stu, I actually just watched an episode of Raw, and I, I just figured, <laughs> I just, I don't, I, I'm just going to substitute like Rawhead Rex for Bronze Roman, and I hope it'll work. Uh, you could try, but I don't think it'll go so well. So, this week, anyway, uh, I'm going to kind of take us through a little bit of the, the history of Halloween and uh, go through some of that. So first off, there are many names for Halloween, All Hallows' Eve and All Saints, Saints' Eve uh, are some of them. But uh, the most important one in our eyes, anyway, is Samhain. Uh, or if you're a filmmaker in the States, you might say Samhain. Because... Um, the, Ir- the Irish for it is Iahauna, uh, which is like Halloween night is what we'd say. He is yeah, night. Yeah, and uh, I just... Making reference there, there are a number of Halloween-themed movies uh, that came out of Hollywood that use Samhain for some reason, and uh, I love it. It's hilarious. It's like uh, it's something that we we probably should have mentioned. We mentioned a little bit, I think, when we were talking about Irish names. It's like um, Irish uses. We have our own spelling system, kind of. We we don't actually use the full amount of al- uh, letters in the English alphabet. We only use eighteen of them, if I remember correctly. Out of the twenty-six, um, we only use like K and like. W and like Z for like loan words and things like that. Yeah. So we use different combinations of letters to represent certain sounds. Like if you want a, a V sound, like a V sound in Irish, you use like a BH or you can use an MH in certain circumstances as well. So, and then some letters are silent. Um, we did like a spelling reform in the 1960s where we kind of got rid of a lot of extra silent letters 
um, originally it was the Slenders were in there to kind of you wouldn't pronounce them, but they they were in regards to the vowel sounds preceding them. I think is what it was. Um, you can see this in like the Irish name Mave is a good example how the old spelling is like Jesus, M E A D H B H, and you think yeah. how does that pronounce as Mave? But like the modern kind of more anglicized version is like M A E V E Mave that way. So yeah. So in this sense, we have Samhain, which is spelt. S-A-M-H-A-I-N and there may be a fat over the I, I'm not sure it's kind of an accent I don't think there is, yeah, but it's like Samhain, it's kind of doing a, a was sound, the M-H yeah, is more of a it W can, yeah, it, it's that kind of thing, but it's like M-H can be a V sound, or it can be silent sometimes as well it's really yeah. <laughs> maybe the Irish language is harder than we thought to do to, 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 to explain yeah, it's, it's hard to explain <laughs> without, without like showing slides and stuff uh, so anyway, if you look at now, if you look at this one, I could... <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, we'll have a YouTube video at some point. Uh, so uh, we all know the current Halloween, dressing up in costumes and trick-or-treating to get sweets and the odd apple thrown in uh, from a neighbor. But the origins of Halloween go back to over 2000 years ago. Uh, many cultures across the world celebrate some kind of uh, day to commemorate the dead, like Dia de los Muertos, um, and each one having its own rituals and practices for paying tribute to the spirits of passed on family and friends. But Halloween specifically can be shown to come from one very specific place and culture. And surprisingly for this podcast, it's Ireland and the Celts. Who would have thought it? I know. I mean, why aren't we doing Dia de los Muertos? I mean, we celebrate that here too, right? <laughs> well, it's either on a fucking darny podcast. I don't know. Uh, if, you th- right. if you think my Irish is bad, wait to hear my Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Samhain is one of the big four uh, festivals celebrated by the Celts. Uh, Imbolc is uh, the first one, which is the 1st of February, and it marked the beginning of spring. Then we had Bialtana, which is the 1st of May, and was the midpoint between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. And then Lunasa, which we've spoken about before, uh, was the 1st of August and was the beginning of the harvest season. So then Samhain takes place on the night of of October 31st and goes until sunrise the following morning. So this is actually due to the Celtic belief that the day starts and ends at sunset, which is a little yep. weird, but it's like they, they wanted, like they thought that it was like you had the dark and then it went into the light. And then once it was dark again, that was the next day, which is odd, uh, but that's how they did it. Um, so some historians actually believe that November 1st was the Celtic New Year. So it was basically their, their New Year's uh, Eve sesh at the same time. That's kind of disputed, but it makes sense if they thought that a day started when the sun set, that it was like uh, November was like coming into winter. So like the darkest times of the year and then like the end of the year would be like the lighter, brighter times during the summer. So the word Samhain comes from the combining of Sam or Saura, which means summer, and Fwin, which is the end or set. So Samhain is literally the festival to mark summer's end. And uh, Samhain is still used today in Irish uh, for November. So we kind of, we still have it in there a little bit. Yeah, so we use that for uh, November, isn't it, Steve Samhain? Yeah, yeah, it is. And then we also use other things like uh, Nullug is kind of our Christmas. And we use that for December. So some of the months are quite literal. This like, yeah. this, like, this thing happens in this month. Um, <laughs> so what you're saying is the year 2020 in Irish is going to be called covid Sure, why not? <laughs> so, yeah, so what did the Celts do uh, on Samhain? So it was a fire festival uh, where large bonfires were lit and everyone celebrated the end of the harvest. So uh, Druids would actually travel around the country 
to these festivals uh, and the old fires were extinguished and the Druids were like new ones. So it was kind of a, a ceremonial kind of like uh, symbolic. This is the end of, of one year and we're going into the next. So all the old fires were put out and the Druids specifically would light new ones, which is kind of cool in, in a way. Uh, many great meetings uh, were held during this time uh, for the great Celtic chieftains. And uh, I couldn't find a lot of evidence for this, but some people believe that uh, armistices were declared for the winter period. So basically like, look, it's going to be too cold. We're all kind of struggling, making sure that we get through the winter. Let's just not have a war during this time and we can get back to it once it's nice and warm in the spring. I mean, you might you might as well, Stu. I mean, you can keep fighting. In a, in look, a I mean, it's a clever way of doing it. It's like no one wants to be out there in the cold. I mean, you know, it's like you, you can't invade Russia in the winter if everyone has an armistice until it's springtime. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, so the Celts would also take stock of the year's harvest and start slaughtering cattle for the winter. So, you know, it's like it's getting colder, so you can kind of store the, the meat longer. So it was kind of the right time to kind of start stocking up on lovely fresh meat. So now we get to the spookier stuff. So the Celts believed that Halloween night was the time when the barrier between our world and the other worlds of spirits and, go- and gods was at its weakest. As such, the spirits of the dead could return home on this night to visit their families but other more terrible things would come through uh, to our world during this night too. Uh, so the Celts and later Irish people believed in the Aes Shi, uh, which were uh, the people of the mound is kind of the, the direct translation of that. So it's kind of a catch-all term for the many kinds of spirits and magical beings that inhabited uh, the world. So like fairies, pukas, banshees, leprechauns, they would have all been uh, considered Aes Shi and uh, spirits of one form or another. And so they were all thought to roam free uh, during the night of Halloween, Obviously, we know that they were around other times as well, but this was like free roam. You get to do whatever you want. Obviously, Banshees kind of had a specific task most of the year, but it was kind of their night to go wild. Yeah, they're, they're kind of it's like, oh, you've, you've done a hard job this year uh, killing people. It's like, you know, you had a job to kill people, but now you can just kill people for fun. You know, just wander out and do what you like. It's just like, uh, you've had a, here, here's your, your one day off the year. You, you don't, you have to do your job for fun, but you're not going to get paid. <laughs> well, yeah, but other times they're there to like signal the death of someone uh, and uh, yeah. call the coach. But this time it's just going out and killing them because they like it. Uh, yeah, so anyway. Uh, more of that in our, our first uh, podcast, Darby yeah. O'Gale. Yeah, so this is why the bonfires were lit and offerings of the harvest and animals were sacrificed at the bonfires. Uh, so, you know, it's like have a big fire, scare off the evil spirits. And then if you needed to throw in a, a few bits of whatever you harvested that year and some animals uh, as a sacrifice, to them as well to keep them appeased and keep everything happy. So uh, there was also kind of a, a secondary use for the bonfires as uh, people could also accidentally pass through into the other world on the night and become lost. So obviously since the barriers down, if you wandered off into the woods and you disappeared, they'd assume that you would become lost in the other world. And so the, the bonfires were like this big shining beacon to bring you back if you wandered off. Yeah, and uh, bonfires are very much still part of Halloween over here. I think it's... Um there'd always be like a fire down at the end of the road um, somewhere like in a field. Oh yeah, it'd be great crack. I mean, it's a, it's kind of almost the Irish tradition of uh, getting rid of the crap you don't want to bring all the way to the dump. We, uh, we used to have one um, down the end of my road. There's like a field. So it's like right down. I live in the kind of very top up by like a, there's a train track on one side of it. And then we go all the way down. There's like a field at the end of it, like a little dirt road. And we used to always have like a bonfire down there. And it was like, it was grand because the parents would be there and the kids would go down and see it. And it would just be like, you'd, um, you'd have the people like for the week before it would be like maybe knocking on doors. Do you have any old wood or anything that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was it. You want to burn. 
because uh, like you, you get like a few old bits of wood off a fence maybe like an old uh chair or, or things like that um like i remember one year we went down there and it was like it was as like, oh no there, there's a load and there was a load of stuff down there still there was like a massive bonfire and there was like a small uh like secondary bonfire over over in the corner <laughs> Uh, like someone had an entire mattress that was that was there. Oh <laughs> God! There was someone got like a shopping trolley full of wood and just put the shopping trolley in. The <laughs> so that was, and then it was just like people were like, um, it was, it's very close. It's like little wooded area as well down by the the River Shannon, and people were like getting branches off the trees and like chucking them in there as well. Oh God! And it was now it was it was like it was supervised. It was certainly big, but everyone was keeping their distance and. You know, the, the, the guy had like right, lived right next to it. Was just like, I've got the the big hose ready to just like like fire it over the wall, and it'll be fine. He said, I'd make sure it's put out. And then one lad had the genius idea to of just putting throwing a, a tin of beans. Oh God! Of, of course. And then that exploded. Of course. <laughs> Great idea. Lovely. So Everyone got was- some beans, I suppose. <laughs> like I mean, I suppose you could cook them over the bonfire, but like people were like making like uh, the very American thing of like s'mores and and all that. But I think he, he had. Yeah, I don't think we did much real cooking over bonfires. No, I remember for for myself now, down the way there's a, a farmer's field, and like the older kids would like take charge, and they'd go down and ask them if they could have the bonfire there every year. And so obviously we'd collect stuff up, and I think one year. Uh, it was like still kind of slightly uh, burning with like embers and whatnot the next day. So we're like, fuck it, let's keep it going. And uh, so, obviously we, <laughs> we, so we gathered a load more wood, but there's also a train tracks nearby. It's like defunct now, so it's not really used. But uh, we wandered down it a little bit looking for more wood. And what people had done, because they're like houses right, similar to your own house, Rob, where they're like houses yeah. like right uh, kind of to the back of, of the train tracks. And people had actually tossed over their uh, their Christmas trees. And yeah, it was yeah. like they had been drying out for a year. There was a, it was like a lovely October, so it wasn't really wet or anything. It was like we've just hit the mother load. We just had a load of fucking pine trees that we could toss into the fire. It was great. I do kind of remember as well that when I was a bit younger, that we've all these like we'd, we'd like drive us kind of around town and like the sea because like it, it used to be that there'd be like our local every kind of area would have like their own kind of bonfire, like every housing estate or part of the oh yeah, definitely were from wood, and you'd some of them would be like massive and unsafe and you'd, you'd but you'd want to go and see them from like a distance like we used to go to the one out and just over the the border into clare out in shannon banks they used to have a nice one because they, they were right down next to the river and it was just like they were like they'd just get like a bucket full of water if it, it was starting to get out of hand like from the river and just start chucking them on and it was fine like but uh i I'm, I'm trying to think like i know there was one out in a little bit further out, I can't think of where, and we got there, and it was about ten feet high. Oh, it God. was like Jesus, and it was like we. It was like, no, we're not getting out of the car. Like we can look through the window, and it was just like it was massive. And we're like, you can like, what the hell happened there? It's like, well, someone burnt out a car, and everyone thought it was the bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh God! Oh, of course, no, gosh, of course, we did that, that here. Was, but it's uh, I, even I guess my parents and pretty much their overwhelming thing was it's. um Trick-or-treating wasn't really a thing in Ireland at the time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that towards the but, end. But, cer- but, certainly, but certainly, like, what I was asking, I was like, going to bonfires was certainly a big part of Halloween uh, when they were kind of growing up as well. And it, it still is. It, it's, I suppose it's a very Irish and maybe kind of a English and British thing as well. Although They'd have their like, own uh, we, bonfire night. Well, they've got Fox Night, yeah. which we don't celebrate because it's burning an effigy of a Catholic, and it's like that might be quite offensive to us. So if we don't celebrate because he didn't get the job done, 
Yeah, if he did, you know, we'd, <laughs> yeah. Oh, then we we he'd be a national hero. We'd be talking about him on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, we'll get back to the story and, and we'll continue our chat of our memories at the end. So the ancient Celts would also actually dress up in costumes similar to the way we do now, as a way of warding off the evil spirits and uh, ensuring they weren't recognized by anyone uh, who uh, might have wished them harm. So you know, if they had a an enemy or something, it's like oh, he might come back and try to off me on this night. So I'm going to dress up as someone else or something else to keep myself hidden. So you kind of see where some of the traditions that we still have now kind of came from so far back, which is great to see. Yeah, it's just like, uh, who are you? Oh, I am uh, this uh, magical being from far, far away, but not a very long time ago. I'm looking for my estranged children, but I'm immensely powerful and evil with this magical glowing sword. I have no idea where you're going with this, Rob. I was just doing Star Wars. I was like saying I was Darth Vader. Oh right, there we go. <laughs> it's it's just like if you if you travel back and died like that that like part of Irish history, you did. And he's like, oh, I'm a Shanaki, like I'm a storyteller. So tell us one. Well, I will tell you a story about a a ship, a boat. You mean yes, a boat, and it went out and it got lost in a place far away. They called it the boat Voyager, and it was led. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Uh, this weird f- fan fiction of yours isn't going to go anywhere. Well, I started up my, my, my side podcast, which is <laughs> ripping off this. In their homes, the Celts would play various games, uh, which they used to tell uh, the future. So given that the, the barrier to the other world was uh, open, they thought that the, there would be a chance that some of the magic kind of spilling through would kind of, they'd be able to, to harness it in some way to foretell things like marriages and deaths and stuff. So like bobbing up for apples, is one of the few Celtic rituals that uh, has continued on to this day. You know, we all used to have the base in the water and a few apples in. You have to pick it out with your teeth. Which was that, that, that's a that's I think I think we mentioned that last week as well. It's apples are like um, so it, it's like a harvest kind of festival. Well, sorry, it's not a harvest festival thing, but you you would you would have still had apples at that point in the year, and they play a part. I think like bobbing for apples which is kind of something you see in america as well oh yeah definitely um, um like the the thing about it is that they the celts would say you had to have all of the apples picked because on halloween night the the puka would go around and spit on any apples that were still on the trees and they'd rot immediately there's um a tradition as well in scotland if i remember correctly where what they do is they actually peel apples and you can like peel it in like a decorative way, but I think the idea is is that you you peel the apple like in kind of a, just normal kind of like long strands. You, you throw it over your shoulder, and whatever way it falls on the ground will be the first initial of your your husband or wife's future name. Oh right! So Actually, that just so reminded me of what we used to do with the uh, the apple stem. Do you ever remember that where you you twist off the stem and you do a letter for every twist? Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I forgot like that, about that. In fairness, that could be part of, of an ancient Celtic tra- tradition because I just that popped into my head there is something we used to do. So you'd you'd hold on to the stem and you'd twist the apple uh, to get the stem off. And uh, every twist, you said, you know, A, B, C, and whatever uh, letter the stem came off on was supposed to be, uh, was it like the, the first initial of... Your future it's, it's bride or husband, name, I thought. yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, I think I think the other game we mentioned as well is about the the, the money in the apples. I think we should probably talk about that because I don't think anyone outside of Ireland is. <laughs> well, so look, I mean, what else you got to store in your apples? So, so basically, you 
We, we always used to play this in like a door frame. So like you'd open the door, you'd like put a nail. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. On the top of the door frame, get like a long bit of string, and you'd like suspend an apple uh, in the door frame. The idea is that you put like uh, a pound coins or later euros. I don't think I was playing this, ever played this with euros, to be honest, um, into like the side of it. And like, you put your, you tie your hands behind your back and you, it is like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the whole like you're trying to bite the apple, but you're trying to like bite the apple, and, like take out one of the, the, the coins in your mouth and then you get to keep it. Like when you're like six and it's like, oh, oh yeah, it's a lot of money. So you're great. It's like, this is a pound coin. I can go to the shop and I can get whatever I want. It's like, this is the biggest amount of money in the world as far as you're concerned then. Yeah, so that was like one, and then we could do bobbing for apples as well. Um, I'm trying to think of any other kind of ones we'd we sort of played to. I mean, you do like kind of blindfolded kind of ones, you know, like the, the not pin the tail of the donkey, but like he was wondering where someone is like blindfolded. Is it blindman's buff? You know, where you're blindfolded, and you have to try and find yeah, that kind person. of the kind of Marco Polo type thing. Yeah, yeah, that was we used to play that as well. It was like it was like kind of a hide and go seek thing in the dark as well used to play at one of my mates houses um because he'd be a bigger house where there's actually more hiding spaces so it was like that like the lights would go out and you'd all have to hide and then when they went on again like the, the person who was like the seeker would go out and try and find you but it was also kind of hard oh like, yeah, yeah. To, but you think is you had to hide in the dark across the house and it was like jesus it was uh in retrospect that was incredibly dangerous because <laughs> <laughs> like you were going like you, know, you didn't know what i was like, you were going upstairs and so and, like all the lights had to be out for it to work properly there's like i i think someone did fall down the stairs and like completely walked into doors and things so i don't think you'd be playing that game anymore yeah look we weren't always the smartest kids but we made it through um there's also the game wherever the game we invented in college uh weeping angels <laughs> 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 Oh my god! Like this was. Um, I I don't think. Uh, I don't think I can actually tell many that people. Story. Uh, no, no. I think it's just that you'd kind of need the context of watching Doctor Who. So we might uh, we might skip that one and get back to the story. We we, we, we might, but if you if you want, if you want us to tell that story in another podcast, that we'll do an AMA at some point or something, <laughs> and someone could bring it up. So uh, another thing that we still do today is uh, Baron Brack. Yes, so it's, it's, it's kind a of a proud tradition. It's, it's like a loaf of bread with like raisins and sultanas in it, and uh, what they do is they bake in uh, a little wrapped, uh, well, quote unquote, gold ring. Um, Fania, as they would say in Irish. Yeah, and so uh, it's sliced up, and everyone gets a slice, and whoever gets the slice uh, with the ring in it is supposed to be the one to get married next. So, see what I mean? Like they're kind of trying to foretell who's going to get married with this random chance finding the ring in a. In a 
a slice of bread. Yeah, no, it was very popular. Like we used to do. One of my teachers used to do bring in some of them in in, in school, and I think it was like generally she bring like three full ones for the entire class, and she'd have like three rings, and it was like very nice of her, like made herself. Um, oh yeah, very nice. And uh, we'd all have that. I think if, if you got like the ring, you 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 got like no homework that night. I think was the idea. <laughs> so people, then I think it broke down because like so one of the lads was like trying to buy multiple, like was trying to buy the three rings because he brought in, like, five, <laughs> he brought in like five pounds and he was just like, no, no, I like basically have if they give me the three rings, I get three lights off work. <laughs> it was like, oh, that he's that man is smart. Like, I mean, fair play. I mean, he's a businessman now. <laughs> you say that, Rob, but it would probably be cheaper to buy your own barn bracket and just get the ring out of that one. Yeah, I, I think maybe if he thought about like um, manufacturing, getting like a bunch of the cheap rings, because they're not really expensive rings, not like gold rings, just like little. Oh no, they're the ones that turn more green. Well, no, they they're metal, but they're the ones that uh, it's like what is not copper, but you know they turn blue or they turn your fingers green, I should say. Yeah. But it's it's a nice tradition. Like I mean, we pretty much always have Baron Brack in this house and round Halloween. Yeah, as like it, it's like at this point, it's just like it, it just more because it's something you kind of always do. It is like a tradition. I mean, you just have a bit of crack with it. Yeah. The, then the big question really is how did Samhain, as it was in Celtic times, become Halloween that we know today? So it really started with the ancient Romans, those dastardly bastards. Uh, they had their own version of a festival for the dead called Lemuria. Uh, which actually took place on the 13th of May. But then, uh, so what they did for that was uh, they would appease the spirits of the dead by pouring milk on their graves and sometimes leaving cakes as well. So uh, really a different kind of tradition to what we had. Uh, but when the Catholic Church kind of grew to power and started to co-opt the old pagan festivals, uh, they changed Lemuria and made it All Saints Day. In, yes, uh, six, which is similar. Yeah, in 609 under Pope Boniface the Fourth. Great name. Because, you know, had to say it because what a lovely name, Bonnie Face. I mean, some of the old Pope names do. I mean, you've got like Urban, Innocent, several Bonifaces as well. Formosus, of course, which is the fit from the famous Cadaver Synod. Uh, you should look that up. There's a there's an Irish YouTuber called uh, Quickster who has a video about that. I would highly recommend. Oh, right. That sounds a bit uh, weird, but. Oh, it's basically uh, Formosus was, was a Pope. He was the only Pope Formosus. And then he died. And then his successor as pope basically put his corpse on trial all oh, right and then um you'd be surprised to hear he didn't uh for most wasn't successful at the trial where he was unable to respond although to to, to i mean to, to the other, i think i remember the other pope i think we have been pope julian i think he did appoint a cardinal to sit behind the the, the corpse of Formosus to answer the questions on his behalf uh, the answers were yes i did it i do it again but robert you need a jury of his peers so do you get dig up another bunch of uh dead popes to I mean, I mean, I mean, there are two popes at the moment. Well, there's two Catholic popes at the moment. There is, of course, the Coptic pope, uh, which is a different kettle of fish. But anyway, yeah, yeah it's a bit but of a anyway, mess. it's it's a great story. But uh, <laughs> right, great old, great great old papal names. Uh, they're all good there. Right. So, so this was the day anyway to celebrate the Christian saints and martyrs. Then, in the eighth century, Pope Gregory the Third, seeing that the Irish people still celebrated the pagan festival of Samhain. Uh, moved All Saints Day to the first of November, which it still uh, is, and it, it's a it's a holy day of obligation, I believe, in this country. Like, we used to get it off school, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Uh, so there were many parallels between the two festivals, and he hoped that uh, the celebration of Samhain would kind of fade away over time, and uh, people would kind of just start uh, celebrating All Saints Day instead. I mean, I, I think there's the country definitely became very Catholic. Uh, it's fair to yeah. say that, but. Um, 
I think some of the old traditions still kind of remained. I mean, we still, I mean, the whole thing is about like, you know, how it's, you see kind of in a lot of parts of the world where sometimes Christianity co-ops some of the local kind of belief systems into it. Um, Like you see it with some of the more uh, like Southern Baptist churches, like in historically black congregations where they kind of, they're kind of you know, the more kind of singing and dancing ones because they co-op some of the things from um, African culture. That kind yeah, of they hold on to some part of their culture. Yeah, exactly. Even so it's, while it's more of, of it same, is same way over here, while you can kind of still be a good Christian and you're not doing pagan things, but you're just kind of doing it in a different way. But you've yeah. Christianized it, I think, is the whole thing. Yeah, not I mean, a, like not, we, an antro- not an anthropologist, but something like that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of pagan traditions that are somehow now Christian. Anyway, so over time, the uh, the day became more commonly known as All Hallows Day, making the day before, being October 31st, All Hallows Evening, or All Hallows Eve, and then it was finally shortened again until it became Halloween, that we know the name of it now. Whenever I hear, like, Hallows Eve, I I just think of, you know, in the original series of Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, the the superior one, where it's like how they... Halloween is like their Christmas. Oh, yeah. It's like, have a jolly, jolly, jolly Hallows Eve. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've just got that stuck in my head now. Good for you. Uh, So as time went on, the traditions of uh, momming started up again. So where groups of uh, people would go around dressed up, singing and dancing to kind of earn food uh, from the houses that they went to. So like similar to carol singing for Christmas. But uh, for this one specifically, they'd do a bit of dress up as well into various costumes, obviously kind of spooky spirits and whatnot. And uh, those who gave food uh, were said to be blessed with good fortune, while those who didn't uh, would have bad luck for the year. Uh, mm. So you can kind of see where trick-or-treat kind of came in there. Like it, it, it wasn't like formalized as trick-or-treat then, but uh, it's kind of the, the basis for it. It's kind of, I suppose, the, the the dominant kind of thing. Now, it's it's really more of an American thing. I I think it was kind of perceived that like we did do this in this country. Like I I I did when I was younger. Um, I assume you did as well, Stu. Yeah, yeah, of course. Rating. Um, but like, I wouldn't really have been a thing with our parents. It was like definitely an American thing at that point. But it, it wasn't. Yeah, I think really for, done over here as far from as, my I'm own sure questioning. Really started here from my own questioning of my parents. They kind of seem to say that it was kind of American movies that kind of. Yeah, brought the trick or treating into Ireland. I think my father said to me it was like the the first Halloween film, the horror the horror film by John Carpenter was probably the first real kind of exposure they had to it. Is what he yeah, said I'd say that me. would probably be one of the earliest. Um, but it you know it, it, I don't know really at what point it became a thing in Ireland. I th- I would go as far as saying probably the late eighties, early nineties. It from what I can see, it, it were a game really kind of widespread. Yeah. Uh, so um, then, but it's. Sorry, I was, I was just going to say something else about it because I've actually gone trick or treating in the the US. So I was going to do. Some oh right, yeah. Well, it. like we'll we'll have a, a big discussion at the end about the kind of Grant, our experiences to, and stuff. I, I wasn't I wasn't sure to put that. In. I have another thing as well. Um, I'll do with you at the end. But I, I yeah, perfect. So that's great. So we'll, we'll right. to then. That's fine. Yeah. So young people later decided uh, that they should take the bad luck into their own hands, and so would start oh, no. causing uh, a bit of mischief. Things like egging houses, which still happen today, uh, breaking windows, <laughs> uh, smashing light bulbs, and uh, one of the greatest pranks. Bulbs. What yeah, the hell? <laughs> because they could. And uh, one of the greatest pranks that I've ever heard from a bunch of, like, I assume teenagers, is that uh, in the middle of the night they would disassemble someone's wagon, bring it up onto a roof, and rebuild it. <laughs> Like, that's fantastic. I mean, that's obviously brilliant. we can't do that now with a fucking car. But, like, just imagine having the ability to, like, take apart an entire wagon, 
bring it up onto a roof and put it back together. The person coming up in the morning is like, where the fuck's the wagon? Turn around and there it is on the roof. I'm sure Please. you could. I'm sure you could do it with a car if you had long enough. I don't think a roof would be able to hold a car. Depends what kind of car and what kind of roofs do. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying it's theoretically possible if you, if the circumstances are correct. Uh, I'll leave you to. You can work on that for next week, Rob. That's your homework is to figure out if you can get a car onto a roof. <laughs> where where is Rob? Uh, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, look, this is Limerick. Bit. I mean, we're famed for having dogs on roofs, but not so much cars. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, the the whole kind of uh, trick thing as well. It's like, um, um, like egging houses. I suppose was something you'd see. I don't. I don't think you. I really don't see it as much anymore. Don't even throw eggs off buses now. Isn't really. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of that. I I know. Uh, like, uh, maybe not this year, but around the college, there'd normally be a, a couple of dickheads who drive around and egg people from their car and stuff i remember like they we were going into town to the like, out for a few drinks and halloween again our costumes and like these shower of you know what's were like driving around and they egg the probably can curse on this podcast i mark it not safe for work every week perfect so these shower <laughs> pricks uh just i've already sworn anyway so it's fine these shower pricks like we're going and they egg um the bus i think i'm getting like one of our mates in the face and you took to go home and take a shower because like he got oh like, god a, sh- a shock off it and you know, the thing was, anyway, the, I think someone must have got, there's like a grad student there who wasn't going out, he was just trying to get home. And he's like, I think he got like, he managed to grab their license plate because they didn't think to cover it. Yeah. So and then the best thing was that they had the genius idea of trying to do another drive-by. And basically they did, they, so they, they came back around um, and they were, we, I think we saw it, that's the same fucking car. And Razzi said, I'll take care of him. He just runs out in the front of the road, like in front, stands in front of them. And they're like, oh, they're not going to run him down. And then next thing, like two of the lads from security there start going over to the car and they realize they reverse off and are trying to get away. Next thing, the guard of car, one of the McCall just comes down the road and sees what the hell is going on here, lads. And then they got caught and that was pretty funny. And we like went, Going by them in the pause and really giving them the finger and everything else and laughing at them. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. Uh, so Halloween really didn't kind of become what it is today until people started moving to North America, as you might imagine. Mm. So, you know, it was kind of the, the original colonies that started there. Obviously, like the Puritans wouldn't have been celebrating anything like that. Uh, but oh, the other kind of the other people they, they banned Christmas as well. Still. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they were a bit naughty. But the other people going there would have kind of had you know, all Hallows' Eve kind of celebrations and stuff, but it was still kind of fairly, you know, under the radar. It wasn't what it what it could have been or what it is now. Uh, it wouldn't really take off until the Irish famine. So when many Irish families uh, moved to the States to save their lives, really, um, and obviously they brought over their traditions and in the small kind of boroughs and neighbourhoods that they were all stuffed into, they'd uh, start celebrating Samhain uh on october 31st and so then it kind of it it got noticed and it started to spread and more people started doing it and then it just kind of hit the mainstream and became something that everyone does yeah i mean i mean that's kind of how it is um but uh yeah it's just like we were saying even earlier like it's just such an american thing like trick-or-treating and the whole kind of what most people kind of think about halloween with like the you know kind of pumpkins trick-or-treating ghost stories and all that it's it comes from like Celtic kind of roots and all that, but it's very much the way it's been packaged together and commercialized is very kind of an American thing. It's almost I wouldn't like, even blame America per se. I would say it's more of a, a capitalist. Once the uh, once the big companies realized that they could make a lot of money I off suppose, of it, yeah. that's kind of when it became 
I see your point, but I, I think it, it, it's kind of like we saw when the trick or treating kind of start here. It's almost like they took kind of our cultural ideas, did their own thing, commercialized it, and then sold it back to us. It's like you kind of see it and getting at it. It's like we're doing the thing because we think Americans do it, and there's oh, that must be the cool thing to do, but it's based on our traditions. So it's kind of yeah, I mean, a look, circle, a circle, if you will. I mean, it happens a lot. You know, I mean, they have St. Patrick's Day parades there as well, but I mean, at the same time, it is kind of we I mean, brought it there, and it it's good that. They did invent the St. Patrick's Day parade in New York, Stu. I mean, we. I know, but as in the, the <laughs> as in having a day for St. Patrick, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, but look, I mean, it. it exactly I think it's better yeah. that it that it is celebrated in some way uh, rather than not at all. But uh, uh, funnily enough, you did mention uh, pumpkins, so I have a bit of a, a ghost story for you now. Ooh. So another well-known part of Halloween is the lantern. Uh, it's not entirely known when people kind of started carrying them, uh, specifically for Halloween. I mean, because obviously they kind of rot and then they're gone. Um, But we know that during the 19th century, they were carving turnips uh, with grotesque faces and popping a candle in the mouth. So one thing I noticed on Wikipedia, and so I might as well uh, point out, is that a turnip is a rutabaga for any American listeners who might not know what a turnip is. Never I have heard no idea. Version in my life. Rude, rude I think I've heard it on it? on some TV shows and stuff. But just oh, I think there yeah. is a, a difference in the wording. Programs. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, there's yeah. a difference in the wording. So just so that everyone's on the same page, this would have been another way for us to to ward off evil spirits. You know, you have spooky lantern with a light in the mouth. Um, but do you know why they're called jack o' lanterns, Rob? Um, I is it some fella called Jack? It is. Uh, specifically an Irish fella called Jack. Irish fella called Jack. Is it Jack Mack? You know. <laughs> no, I believe he's probably fictional. So uh, the Jack, which Jack of the Lan- Jack o' Lantern uh, gets its name from, uh, is part of an old Irish story. It's probably kind of similar to one of the, the Brothers Grimm stories, uh, yeah. more than being any actual person that ever existed. It's just kind of a parable to kind of scare kids off from doing bold things as uh, parents are wont to do. So uh, he went by many names, including Stingy Jack, Jack the Smith, <laughs> Drunk Jack, and Flaky Jack. This sounds very Irish. Jack the yeah, Flake. So, yeah, so you're kind of getting a, a picture of what the, this uh, this band was like. So the, the Wikipedia article that I found some of the information on uh, did say Stingy Jack was his name. So we'll go with that from here. Uh, so he was an Irish man from an unnamed village. Uh, and of course, he was a very big drunk. Good man. Yeah, no surprise there. I mean, look, uh, he was well known as a drunk, as well as being a con man and just a fairly shy person. Uh, so no one really liked him and he was kind of tricking people out of money and stuff all the time. Uh, so the story goes that the devil heard about the evil of Stingy Jack and he was quite impressed. So he was like, oh, this guy, he seems like a, a great man for coming down here. Uh, so he decided that he wanted to go and meet Jack for himself. Uh, so while wandering uh, drunk through the Irish countryside, Jack came upon a body with a horrifying face. He immediately knew that it was Satan himself come to collect his soul for all the terrible things that he'd done in his life. So, you know, what everyone would do when meeting the devil. So uh, he begged Satan for a last wish, uh, which was uh, to go and have a few pints before being carted off to hell, which, As you know, I think, yeah, we'd all we'd all want the same, especially to have a pint with Satan himself. Uh, you so the, the songs there saying, no, I know of you. <laughs> Get out the old golden fiddle. Uh, so the devil obliged and the two went uh, to get pissed. Uh, when they had drank their fill, Jack asked Satan to settle the bill, which was very on brand for Stingy Jack, uh, but Satan had no money. So Jack convinced him to turn into a silver coin, uh, which he could use to pay. So 
the once Satan turned into the silver coin, Jack stuck the coin in his pocket where he had been keeping a crucifix to hold the devil. <laughs> so he has him trapped now in his pocket. So Jack was then able to make a deal with Satan uh, for freeing him. Jack would get 10 more years of life. Okay. So, you know, not a bad deal. He's just tricked Satan, turned him into a, a little coin and uh, caught him with a crucifix. And now he gets 10 more years to live. So 10 years later, Satan came back for Jack's soul. Uh, before leaving for hell, Jack once again asked uh, for one last thing. Uh, he wanted an apple because he was very hungry. So for some reason, Satan agreed uh, to the request and climbed up an apple tree to get one for him. Jack used this opportunity to surround the tree with crucifixes and trap <laughs> Satan yet again. Like, the man's somehow a genius. Like, he just had, has a way with Satan. Uh, this time, Satan's going like, well, you're not going to the pub again. It's like, oh, I just want an apple. All right. It's a tree. I'll get it. No, you stay here. I'm going to get it. Like, oh, you're not going to cut. The, what are you going to do? Like, hide up the tree and make it. I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> yeah, just, just who brings a bunch of crucifixes with them everywhere? But he did anyway. Like, uh, so this devil was after you probably would too. <laughs> I suppose, in hindsight. Uh, so this time, Jack asked that in exchange for Satan's release, Jack would never be taken to hell. Uh, so Satan accepted, and so he returned to hell empty-handed. So, you know... Another uh, good one out of Stingy Jack himself. So many years later, uh, the wild lifestyle of Stingy Jack caught up with him and he passed away. Poor him. Uh, Jack prepared himself to be welcomed into heaven. Uh, but at the pearly gates, he was stopped by Peter and brought before God himself. And don't even know it's real because God's in it. Uh, God told Jack that because of his evil ways and general drunkenness, he would not be allowed into heaven. So Jack then went to the gates of hell and begged to be let in. Satan, sticking to their agreement, would not let him enter. Uh, he did, however, give Jack one of the embers of hell. Uh, Jack then left to wander the world, uh, the words between, uh, holding the ember in a carved turnip and later became known as Jack of the Lantern. Ooh, that's it. Yeah, so I, did, I didn't know the full story. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, it's like he, he's trying to get one up on Satan and then he kind of fucks himself over because he can neither go to heaven nor hell and is just kind of wandering in the limbo, I suppose, and in our world kind of through the mists and whatnot. Yeah, so, yeah I think I think part of the story in some of them is like he's kind of like a will of the wisp. So you know, you kind of you'd see his his light out in the forests, and if you followed him, you'd meet a grizzly end or whatever. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's uh, sounds very kind of um, grim in kind of a, a way yeah. So it's kind of like you know, you, you can't be getting you, you can't be being me uh, stingy, and you can't be getting too drunk, or Satan will come for you, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, you can only imagine it. we we'd be need to be told in Ireland. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have for the story. So uh, I think we'll go through a bit of our own experiences, maybe our family members who might have had different experiences to us. For yeah, Halloween. I think I think like we kind of said there about going to bonfires as part of it. We did trick or treat when I was younger because uh, I like have a younger brother and sister, so I'd, we'd kind of go with them, like our parent would be like down there. But yeah, yeah it was like we we, you know, know, always that it was a lot different. Try- you try and get like a load of houses like because we always do like our road and then you'd be like going further down our estate and we'd, I think our record was like we hit 45 houses <laughs> and got sweet like, that was a good night but um, no I mean you you generally get like a lot lot of fruit um, unfortunately oh, of course, you get like yeah, chocolate I mean, apples but you get, you like, get like nuts like, as well yeah quite nuts common. is a big thing but you're forgetting the, the, the most important part of going trick or treating Rob and that is that back in the day we didn't have costume shops like we do now yeah, uh, neither could there. we order online. So uh, our costumes were improvised. Uh, black bin bags. Um, and uh, I think and you might find a witch's hat or something in Tesco. Yeah. Well, it was like, I remember like it was, you'd, you'd get like, um, 
it was like a white sheet or something would be you'd be like a ghost oh yeah the general ghost yeah or you get like maybe some like face paint so you could do like a skull or, or something like that um maybe you could do like scars and like you do like green like a frankenstein face or something like that was quite co- common but uh yeah, yeah it was it, 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 it rarely get like masks. basic Remember, like, used to, well, he used to eventually, like, they had the, the magic shop in Limerick, which was, like, this kind of costume shop and things like that, but it was mostly a costume shop, but you, you, you eventually, like, they got, like, really good masks, like, really kind of good rubber prosthetic masks for, like, you know, George Bush or whoever you're on at the time, and eventually we started going there and getting stuff, but that was more, you know, going to college yeah. kind of thing, but... Uh, it was fun, but I mean, they weren't they weren't great costumes by by, by any any regard. Um, I'm pretty sure like I've gone as like a, a kind of a ghost, which is like a white sheet, or you know, just kind of like a black thing with like my face painted white. It was like literally had like a big my fa- like a massive coat for my father, and like just a white face. So it, it, you would just see my face. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we probably had the, the bare basics, but look, I mean, uh, we got the sweets out of it, so that was a uh, all we really wanted. That was, that was good. Um, so yeah, I, I did ask. And I did the same myself to to talk to your parents and maybe I don't have any grandparents, but you might be able to talk to yours just to see what the their generational experience with Halloween was. So you I mean, it was, to... from what my parents say, I kind of said earlier, but the, the bonfires trick-or-treating really wasn't a thing. They, they, my father said that they, when he was about finishing up in secondary school, he, he, I think he said one of his mates, like the first person to get like the Evil Dead film in Limerick. Oh, right. It, like he, he got it on a... a, a I, I, must have been a video because it's like the early-ish 80s like i don't know how any betamax or whatever it was and he said everyone was like terrified leaving the house because like even that isn't a terribly scary film but apparently this was the scariest thing any ever seen well, look, um, you know, horror uh gets a lot more horror as you go yeah so i haven't that, seen that it was, before that was kind of part of it really um you know, I, I I didn't really get a chance to talk to my either of my nanas, but uh, yeah, certainly from what they told me in the past, like it was pretty much you'd you'd have your barn back. Um, you might get yeah, some was, nuts or maybe it was a more of like a, a family it. celebration within the house. Really, that's really what exactly she said. It was just you know her grandparents might come over, her aunties and uncles, and they'd do whatever. So yeah, it was just basically it was like barn back, and maybe if they were lucky, they might get a um see a few nuts or maybe a bit of chocolate and that was about it really i have to ask you though one thing that my dad did say that they used to do back when he was younger and we did it for a couple of years when i was a kid as well do you ever just have a random coconut no <laughs> i don't know what it is but for some reason a coconut was always part of the halloween tradition here uh i not that it, it was, come up it was just I a was random thing either. like you know you'd crack it open and, and drink the the milk and whatnot but it was just a That's very strange I'd thing cross before it was only a rain thing so i don't know we didn't do it in court <laughs> <laughs> i know it's just a it's it's a baker thing you know it's like the we we had the money for a whole coconut back in back in the day <laughs> it's just, just like in a scheme to have it's like you, you call it halloween traditions coconuts oh yeah it's a limerick thing really a limerick <laughs> i've never heard that's like oh not corbly it's a rain thing oh, i see Right, so uh, I believe you have some kind of surprise for me. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to briefly say as well. I actually, before I do that part, it was I was over in New York um, oh, yes. a couple of years back, and we actually went to Washington D.C. Then, so I was actually in Washington D.C. during Halloween in America, and I just said I, I might just briefly talk about it because it, it, it's just a bit of an interesting story. Now, I wasn't going trick or treating myself because I was about fifteen at the time, and I was with my grandparents. But we were we were staying in this like. Um, 
sort of B&B kind of place. It was actually very, very nice um, in, I think, Adams Morgan is what it's called. So kind of a residentially kind of place in, in Washington, D.C., um, or maybe a slightly outside, I'm not really too sure. But it was very stereotypical kind of American kind of a neighborhood, if you know what I mean. It was all like kind of, you know, uh, to bring up Sabrina again, but you know, like her kind of aunt's house in the original series, like it has kind of the the kind of window shapes and like the, the porch out the front and all that. Oh yeah, the uh, kind was, of, was, the old kind of spookyish houses. You know what I mean? It was exactly like that. And they were all almost all white, painted white as well. And it was just like such a, a wonderful thing like, with like trees on the road and they were all like in a perfect line. And it was, it, was actually, it was actually, this is like such a like American kind of Halloween thing. It's just like, this is so kind of perfect in a way. Um, and there was, I remember there was like a Japanese couple that were staying in the kind of B&B place as well. And like they had like a little, must have been about three or four little child. And he was delighted. He was looking forward to do like trick or treating here because it, it, it mustn't be like a thing in Japan. I, I don't think it is, but it, it, he was just like delighted. And he, I, I can't remember what he was. I think he was like a little ghost or something, but he was like properly done up with like the makeup and everything. And he had like one of the, like this, it was almost bigger than him, like this massive kind of jack o lantern little. Uh, kind of plastic kind of container thing for like all the sweets and yeah. he was like jumping up and down like ready to go out there and then the the the, the owners actually were like oh is it, a lot of the houses here will will do it they said you're it's supposed to have to be more than happy to like get, see plenty of other kids like don't worry about it whatever he'll be more than welcome but he said like you should go down to the, the, the local fire station there's one one at the corner they'll look after you and we were we went out for a walk and we saw them and it was just like Jesus they had like the, the fire engines out there like the like they had like um, ghosts over the light so it was like um like a projection see, like well, no no it was it was like like a big sheet so like the ghost like had these uh like flashing red eyes oh right the they did it so it was actually really cool and they had like the, the big dog out there that went be like rubbing it and stuff and it was like dressed up as well and then they had these buckets full of sweets that they were just giving out to people and like they were, but they were taking like money for charity as well it was really nice and we we went out then for to get dinner and it was like in this kind of place it was also a pub and there was a bunch of college students who were turned up dressed up as well and some of them were doing like really really good there was this one girl in particular who I remember she was dressed as Captain Crunch from like Americans might know this a bit better from like a, this a cereal oh so yeah, the, yeah the captain li- li- yeah. had had like the the massive hat had the big mustache on and even brought um like. She had a, a a box of the actual cereal with her because she's looking at me. It's like, it's like oh, it's, it's that's very good. I mean, why did you bring the cereal? And she had like a bowl and milk and everything with her. I was like, I don't know. I just thought it'd be funny if people saw me eating it, dressed as it. And I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there was there was one guy that was dressed as OJ Simpson as well. Oh God! Oh <laughs> he was, no! He was he was African American, but I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> like, wait a minute, is that Justin Trudeau? <laughs> wasn't your father the prime minister of Canada? <laughs> <laughs> um so that was so that was that was kind of it but uh no i mean it was it was very it was kind of funny it was just like the most stereotypical thing i mean we ended up like going back and like the 
it was like these two women who were probably in about their 30s were running this place and they had like a lot of popcorn out and we were watching like videotapes of old Halloween films and they came down the, that was also the first time I had candy corn which I think is a very American Halloween thing and it was yeah. that right I think I've had it, it before very, very sugary from what I recall um, very hard candy as well I didn't really wasn't really a fan of it um, I had Kool-Aid as well for the first time which was really overhyped um, not wasn't a fan of it myself hmm. but anyway so anyway Stu you know, it would be great to one day, as adults, go over and uh, spend uh, Halloween in America, maybe like Salem or somewhere like that. It would be interesting, actually. Yeah. See the real cult. Well, we'd have, probably have a lot of culture shock, even though we see it on TV all the time. But Yeah. Um, dress up as like clowns, get some massive knives, you know, all the good stuff. <laughs> leprechauns, Robert, leprechauns. <laughs> if you don't like it, you're racist. <laughs> right, go on, what's this surprise? So, so I, I come up with this little idea, Stu. Because uh, we're talking about here about Irish Halloween traditions, but there's other kind of Halloween traditions across the world. So what I have here, I have four different things that Halloween across the world. However, one of them is not a tradition. So you have to try and guess which is the which is the odd one out, which isn't the Halloween tradition. All right, so the podcast is now a game show, right? Yeah. What do I win? Well, I, I just thought because like, everything was like still like doing the report and everything else. I just thought I'd add in a little something. Well, at that's the end. fair enough. Yeah, you're right to so, do it. So I, I, I was do like, I get a car so, or? Um, you, you'll get a point whenever we can go back to the pub. How does that sound? Hooray! I'll accept it. <laughs> Grand. So, Stu, we we have here, here. Here are the four. I'll tell you where each of them is from as well. So, the first one is it's a German tradition of hiding the knives on Halloween night. Um, generally viewed as because um the spirits are obviously around and they might come in and use them, but it's also a double thing because the the kind of shiny surfaces on the knives might trap the spirits in them. Um is a kind of another part of it as well so that's one of them um there is a tradition in austria uh, not australia where you leave all the lights in the house on on the 30th of october and you also leave out a snack and generally maybe a glass of milk or, or, or water as well for any spirits that get lost so you're kind of saying you can come into my house spirits and here's a bit of something to keep you going while you're looking to get back to the the other side um as it were um you have something in America then, generally around New England, but apparently it's also in Detroit as well. Um, it's Cabbage Night is what it's called, Stu. Um, I think Cabbage Night might be more of a New England name, where generally it's they get rotten cabbages or rotten fruit from like orchards or whatever, and then they pelt it on people. Um, not, not on like eggings, like, I guess, like that as well. But right. it, can, it can kind of include a bit of pranking as well and things like that, but it's... It has other names. Like Cabbage Night seems to be the one that's most popular in New England. And then finally, in a little town in Switzerland, it's a tradition to, um, I think it's in the town splits in two. And what they do is they get a bunch of pig's bladders and inflate them, put them on the end of sticks, and then beat each other with them. Right. So what do you think? And so one of these you made up, right? I, I'm just saying one of them isn't the Halloween tradition. Whether oh, I made right, it, right, right. I from, right okay. wh- wh- whether I made it up or I got it from somewhere else is entirely up to you. No, that's fair. Like, So it, it could be like a Christmas tradition or something weird like that. It could be. One of them isn't a Halloween tradition, I will say that. Right. So if we had like tr- further information. If you'd like further information on any of them, feel free to go ahead. I have it open in front of me. Oh, right. Um, I could just ask, on what day did these all take place? But that would be a little uh, cheating. It's all pretty much Halloween. Um, Halloween night, or like, I think one of them, the, 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 the cabbage night thing, which was a mischief night as well, it can be, 
occurs as late as the 4th of November in, it looks like kind of more Quebec is also popular in. So the rest of these are all pretty much on Halloween night, um, as far as I can see, or approximately then. Some of them are kind of related to All Saints Day as we talked about. So it's like Halloween night or All Saints Day, it's like the 30th of October, 1st of November, but right. around that time. Okay, so we have the German knife thing. Yep. Then the Austrian leaving the doors open, which just sounds like a bad idea in general. Well, no, it wasn't even the doors open. It's even the lights on and leaving out like snacks and stuff. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I don't know if they, I don't know if they leave the doors open. I can't imagine that's a good idea. I'm sure Austria is wonderful and crime free, but I, w- I wouldn't strictly recommend it. Um, right. And then you had the US with the rotten fruit throwing. And then... Rotten cabbages, rotten fruit doing and kind of other general pranks as well. And then Switzerland with uh, bladder balloons or whatever internal organ that was. It was a deflated pig's bladder. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm just going to guess that it's Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, that probably takes place. Well, it could take place at Halloween, but it might take place at another time. You are right. It's actually a New Year's Eve tradition in Switzerland, in a, in like one town in Switzerland. <sighs> yeah. It And I didn't make that up. That is actually true. It's like, I'll have to get the name of the town up again, but it's like, it is a New Year's Eve tradition that they beat each other with pig bladders. Oh. Don't don't. I, I'm not sure if they still if there's a vegan alternative to that now, but I presume that <laughs> they're called balloons, Rob. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, that so was a complete they're... guess. I mean, it was like the others sounded yeah. like Halloween. Obviously, I've done a lot of Halloween research, not for other yeah. countries specifically, but uh, the others seemed like kind of Halloween type things that you might do. Yeah, the the cabbage night. Well, the cabbage night was just one of the names of it. Uh, it's like Devil's Night, um, Mischief Night, Trick Night, Corn Night, Mickey Night, Gate Night, Hell Night, Goosey Night. I just thought Cabbage Night was the funniest out of all of them. Uh, it's kind of just a general prank thing, but like it's like doorbell ditching and toilet paper and kind of where that comes from. But there's also like including setting fire to cars and apparently in. In Detroit, the practice became so violent that uh, volunteers began organizing Angel's Night to keep an eye out for crimes. Um, up to 40,000 volunteers patrolled the city on Angel's Night, and this drastically reduced the Devil's Night in Detroit. So what you're saying is they basically have 40,000 Batmen running around the city as vigilantes beating the shit out of kids for... Well, that they were literally lighting cars on fire. Yeah, of course. Like, I, I'd, I'd be signing up too, like... But yeah, it just sounds funny that way. It, it is. It's it's a bit mental. Um, like the Austrian thing. I, I don't see a name for it specifically. Um, but it's yeah, dead soldiers saying they're welcome to come back. There's nothing here about leaving the doors open that I can see. No, maybe I added that in myself. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there's there's don't hurt themselves is kind of it. But uh, that was that was it. I mean, I couldn't really find anything that was too crazy. Um. Really. So. Yeah, I, I just threw in the other one because I, I did a German project once about Christmas time uh, when I was in school and that came up as like a Christmas New Year's Eve tradition that was just completely mental. And I was like, oh, I'm putting that in there. And I just never forgotten it since. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, th- I think that's a, a good overview of crazy things in World Halloween there, Stu. Yeah, uh, I suppose that will bring us to the end of the show. So next week, we're going to be watching the movie Far and Away from 1992 with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman where I have been told that Tom Cruise does one of the worst Irish accents anyone has ever heard it's up there it really really is up there can't wait to see it oh god like I it's gotta be in the I would put this in the top five maybe the top three from what I can remember like it's like I gotta say like if his accent isn't as bad as I remember it as I probably haven't seen this maybe about two years I'd be surprised. I mean, ooh. 
I definitely should do like we should like as a writer do a ranking of my top. Oh yeah, the end of the year we'll have to do a, a we'll do that. But, a bit of a, um, an award ceremony. Oh god, we should. But if I recall correctly, Stu, he has a horrific accent in it. But we're gonna wait and see, aren't we? Oh, we will. <laughs> Uh, so play us out, Rob. Thanks very much, Steve. I hope you enjoyed today, guys. Um, like I said, we're still working on the whole recording this apart from each other. And if hopefully there aren't as many technical issues and stuff like that. But, you know, do give us feedback. We think about the audio quality and things like that. We are working as hard as we can to get something that sounds like we're kind of next to each other again. So fingers crossed we can get that sorted as soon as possible. But bear, bear with us in one sense. But at the same time, let us know what you think about how that kind of sounds but if any of you are um, audio experts yeah we, we, we we're working on that uh, <laughs> but as as always if you've enjoyed this uh, please do tell a friend it's it's very important to to do that's where we get a lot of traction um share us on your social media accounts and everything else we will try and use our twitter account more again um i, I hope um is the important thing but you can reach us on twitter at uh, blarney pod um, you can also email us any ideas you have, any suggestions. We do read all of them at talkingblarneypod at gmail.com. And that's that's about it. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. It's goodbye from me. Slaan, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.